Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your tits. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. And I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Hmm. I started there with quite an elaborate flourish, and you just fucking power played me, didn't you? Just straight down no, the line. No, I no. I thought I don't. I want to give him some space. I liked what he's uh, done. I don't want to get into a pissing contest. Just uh, stand away gracefully and say, "Sir, you have best you have bested me." Well, that's not what I was trying to do. What I was trying to do was create a platform for you to then go to an even higher level if you wanted to, or stay on the same level as me. But then you just maybe look like a cunt. Well, so, you've got the editing afterwards, so maybe you could true. add like a, yeah. a voice effect to what I said and some space laser noises. Yeah, that's exactly what you fucking want, though, isn't it? Again, power I'll do it play. myself. Send you the file. No, say I've got the final control your over it. Do what you fucking like. Put it out. Put an alternative edit out yourself. A like you know, once cut. I'm once I'm dead in years to come, you might go into the studio with some fucking hotshot engineer and remaster all of the episodes. It's going to be called The Fish Cake Cut. Yeah. Right, and I'm going to I'm going to do fish cake cuts of all of our classic episodes with quite a lot of your bits removed. Or, or played <laughs> by a different actor. Played by someone with a sort of, like, weird, silly voice. Played by a Don Oh, Simpson your bits are going to be played by a guy who'll talk like this. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Top Flight Time Machine, it's number one screwball podcast. <laughs> oh, my pants fell down again. <laughs> Dawson. <laughs> Whereas I will be played by Sir Ian McKellen. <laughs> and then put them all out on a fucking box set. Yeah. The USBs. That's right. For 400 quid. Um, right. What's this one? Yesterday's Hero. Yeah. Um, the Yesterday's Hero Odyssey. We're looking at the 1979 football classic film, Yesterday's Hero, as penned by none other than Jackie Collins, starring Ian McShane, Paul Nicholas, uh, Suzanne Summers, um, and many, many others, including, uh, what's the name? Glynis Barber. 
features strongly mm. in the next bit. Playing Pinchy. his bit of fluff. Bit of fluff. Um, a term that I am borrowing from that era and would never use in out of that context. But she is his bit of fluff. <clears throat> yeah, you've used it in the context that it would be used in this film and in this time, mm. 1979. Mm. Um, and she'd probably be quite happy with that, I think. But um, so what's happened is <clears throat> Ian McShane, who plays uh, Rod Turner, a footballer on the slide. I think he's operating in League One level now, third tier. Um, his team has lost. Manager's been sacked. He's just down the working men's club Sunday lunchtime with his dad and his dad's mates. And the manager comes in, tell him that he's been sacked. Um, has a bit of a conversation with him. But then... Um, Rod has had a pint and a large scotch, which he's necked pretty quickly. But he's off. He's away from the working men's club onto his next assignment. And he arrives at a local boys' home. Uh, we don't know why. We don't know what the significance of this is. Mm. Um, I guess that he didn't spend time in the boys' home himself when he was younger because he's got his dad, hasn't he, in the working men's club. Seems to be a strong yeah. bond there. But you never know. You never know with people. No. So uh, he's turned up. Uh, and the lads are all there, pleased to see him, and they all pile into a van, and he's off to take them for a training session. Uh, and uh, Rod drives the van after he's had a pint and a large scotch. Um, yeah. He's still wearing his Saturday night clothes. Um, <laughs> oh, and, they probably um, really smell, because I think he slept in them too. He did. I would, yeah, I would think he smelled anywhere just of the fucking booze from Saturday night. Yeah. So he's turned up stinking but of maybe booze. The boys, maybe the boys find that smell comforting because... It's because it reminds um, them of their own fathers. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's just like their happiest day of the week. I mean, he mm. sort of alludes to this later. To He goes, oh, you know, like, they they really... Uh, he says something like, you know, they, they really look forward to seeing me. It's like the highlight of their week sort of thing. Yeah. And so... They, they they live, I mean, there's a nun that seems to be in charge of the boys' home, right? Yeah. And he, and I don't know, I'm assuming, although I'm sort of was raised with prejudice against nuns because my mother was raised by nuns, not oh, raised right. by, but she went to a convent, yeah? Mm-hmm. And she had a lot of bad experiences with nuns. Mm. So my mum sort of made me like fear nuns as a, as a breed. To it's in that if I even see nuns in the street, I sort of shit it a bit, right? Fucking hell. Um, wow. Yeah. And so the nun, I'm guessing, was super strict. I mean, what I know about nuns is they're fucking strict people, for well, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a, uh, me, me ex-wife went to the Catholic school in Sunderland. And back then, which you're talking about 30 years ago, um, some of the teachers were nuns. And the nuns mm. were fucking really strict. And the nuns yeah. would dish out corporal punishment left, right, and centre. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Evil. My mum's experience. And, my, and this is my mum in like the fifties. Yeah. So you're talking, in, however bad they were in the fucking eighties. Do you mm. know what I mean? They're bad. I think nuns are and a lot so, more. I think they're a lot more benign now. They're a lot more. They're a lot more powerless. I hope they so. Got anyway, their power taken away, and rightly yeah. so. Yeah, the sticks taken away. Yeah, the weapons. Well. Since then, my only non my only meaningful non experience was when my nan was in the old people's home run by na- run by nuns. They were called n- n- nan nuns because they looked after your nan. They looked after the nuns, yeah. 
and uh, they were fine. But of course, my brother tricked them into letting him in for a wee long after my grandma had died and then fell asleep in their church. Yes, that's true. But when they woke him up, they were quite nice to him, considering what he'd done. He'd performed a drunken confidence trick on them. Yes. In order to have a piss. Yeah. And and to be honest, like when he knocked on their door and said, Uh, my grandmother was was here, but then she sadly died. And they were like, oh, yes. What was the name? And she went, her name is Mrs. Delaney. And he went, oh, yes, we remember Mrs. Delaney. Oh, it's so nice to see you again. By the way, I don't think he even visited her much in there, right? But he blagged that he did. <laughs> I was wondering if I could come in to have a look around. Remind me, I have such happy memories. Oh, of course you can, no, come in. And then he's, you know, well, as I've said before, he fell asleep. When they woke him up, they were all right about it. Like, you would yeah. have thought that a classic nun would have done the old, like, the nun in the Blues Brothers, woken him up with a stick, just beating yeah. him. Yeah. But they just said, you fell asleep. Perhaps you should get off home now, Mr. Delaney. Or maybe even um, strangled him from behind with a piece of clothesline. Yeah. They probably would have done that in the past. Sister Mary, the there's body. a drunk Englishman asleep in the chapel. Here, take this take this clothesline and go and strangle him, will you? <laughs> No one will know he's here. It was, it's a great idea for a sort of a thriller or murder mystery because yeah. no one would have known that my brother... My brother was walking home from a boozy lunch by the River Thames when he passed mm. the, chap, the nunnery and mm. thought, I'll go in there for a piss. But his whereabouts were unknown in that period between leaving the restaurant and getting uh, to there. Mm. So if he just disappeared that day... There was any number of places the police would have looked for him. The last place on that whole fucking route would have been the nunnery. You yeah. Know? Well, they'd have sent the frogman into Thames, wouldn't they? To have a look. That's the first thing they would have done. And then they would have gone to all the pubs along the way that he could have got himself into trouble in. They wouldn't have checked the nunnery and he could be dead and buried. Yeah, he does not know how lucky he is to be alive, basically. Yeah. So the nun in this... She's, um, they don't, they, I'm guessing that they have quite a shit life in the week. And then a superstar footballer turns up once a week, takes them to football. And yeah. that's obviously going to be the highlight of their week. And they will associate forever the smell of stale whiskey mm. with that joyous moment. And They're so, probably- and it's funny. I, I think it's, uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Um, Proust, wasn't it? Or Proust. Yeah. And his Madeleines, like the the evocative nature of smells and how they can reconjure memory and emotion. A Proustian rush, they call it, don't they? Yeah, so you, these kids are having a Proustian back. rush whenever yeah. they smell fucking stale Bell's whiskey, mate. Yeah, because they probably don't associate it with being a negative smell at all. Unless nah, they've had that experience you? of it when they were younger. Mm. Uh, in, a, in a broken home, for example. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, they just associated with him turning up and, and kicking a ball around with them on the local field. Taking them out, bloody brilliant. And Absolutely great times. Bit of, bit of drink driving over at the local park and they have a kick yeah. about. Um, he's got his leather jacket on there, his jeans, his street shoes he's still got on. Yeah. He's not wearing any footballing gear at all. But yeah, like you no. say, this is a football hero. This is yesterday's hero. To those kids, this is today's fucking hero. Yeah. Isn't it? Um. <clears throat> And there's a little kid there. Uh, I think it's Benny from Green Chill, isn't it? 
Makes his first uh, appearance. Now, are you talking about it? the black kid? Yeah. That is Kelvin from EastEnders. Sorry. Yeah. Of course it is. Is Benny not in this as well? He might be a sundry character, but this is definitely <clears throat> Kelvin from EastEnders. It is. It's Paul Medford, of course. Yeah. Who was also in uh, the EastEnders market pop group, Dog Market. Yeah. Is that what they were called? They were called Dog Market. The one in, that Wixie uh, was in. No, Wixie wasn't in it. It was Ian, Sharon and Kelvin. And then, oh, some dickhead came along and tried to hijack the band. Do you remember that? I can't remember that bit, but I, I do oh, know it's a that great storyline. The They're sort of like slightly posher kid who thought he was like destined for the top uh, came in and right. sort of worked his way in with them all. And yeah. one of them, I think Kelvin, knew that he was a wrong one, but he sort right. of sweet-talked Sharon and Ian and yeah. uh, and like convincing that he was the main man and sort of usurped Kelvin as lead singer and all this sort of stuff and mm. tried to take over, but in the end they got rid of him. It's a story Classic. as old as time Classic itself. Story, mm. I'm just looking up EastEnders Dog Market because I'm pretty sure that's what they were called. Yeah, Dog Market EastEnders. There it is. Great name for a band. They isn't initially it? called market. themselves Dog Market. Um, <laughs> they've got the fucking group's got its own Wikipedia page. They were uh, they were there called they were called the band as in B A N N E D, as oh. in forbidden. Um, and it spawned two hit singles in the real world. Nick, yeah, Nick Burry released "Every Loser Wins." Yeah, I previously I sung that. the song in character. So I, all I'm remembering is the early days when they were just dog market. Yeah, I think Wixie came um, later, and that was when they really took off because obviously Wixie was a natural frontman. Well, yeah, um, we don't hear much about Nick Berry anymore, do we? Lofty was involved as well. I think Nick Berry's just packed it in. I think he's just give up. Yeah, because you don't he even see him in things like Panto work. and that. Yeah, he's just doing the just rest lifestyle. I think. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. I'll have a look. I'm on Wikipedia. Anything could happen here. Nick Berry, personal life. That's always the best bit. He is a supporter <laughs> of West Ham United. Yeah, because I sat next to him once, as I told you. Steve Jones took me in a corporate bit, and I sat next to Nick Berry yeah. two weeks running. Here we are. Berry has retired from acting and runs his own production company called Valentine Productions. But then, after that, it says, Berry resigned from the company in October 2019, according to Company's House Records. So in October 2019, oh. Nick Berry has just gone, fuck it, I'm done. I'm going off grid. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's now... Uh, <laughs> He's now 57, so he was 55. He's retired at 55, which, let's face it, is the fucking dream, isn't it? Yeah. He's gone, I've done everything I want to do. I was in EastEnders. I was in Heartbeat. I was also in Harbour Lights. And that's it for me. I've got a number one single. What else can I do? Where else can I go? Hollywood? Fuck that. I don't like flying. I'm done. I've had it off with all of them. You name them, I had it off with them. I, uh, I've got a nice little pension pot. I invested in a bit of property, thanks to uh, Robbie Fowler, who gave me some advice. And I am fucking sorted. So that is go. me done. I don't have many overheads. I live a very lo- humble lifestyle. I've got um, a load of books that I haven't read yet. I'm going to get through them. Lots I'm of DVDs. I'm one of these lads who needs to have all the fanciest new fashion shoes or anything like that. That's not me. I'm happy... Just with simple, I don't have to. I've, I, I might have a takeaway once a month maximum. I've got Netflix. I like cooking from fresh. 
I've, I've got Netflix, but I share the login with my brother-in-law, so that saves us both a few quid a month. Um, you know, it's it's all good. The Nick Berry lifestyle is the way forward. I used to go West Ham, but lockdown, I watch, it, I watch it all on telly. I stream it. Don't even pay for Sky Sports, because <laughs> fuck Murdoch, you know. If you know where to look, you can always get the streaming. But, uh, yeah, it's a good life. <laughs> <laughs> So Nick Berry, uh, yeah, he, he joined the group. He's got nothing to do with this film. Nothing at all, but they were called Dog Market. And here's some of the uh, other suggested names from the other characters in EastEnders. Sharon wanted to call the group So-So Reverso. What the fuck? Uh, Simon. I, I, I'm, I had such a crush on Sharon that yeah. I associate anything to do with her with... Sexual Sex. fantasy. So when you say, say so, so reverso, I think of her suggesting that as a position. A sexual position. I also thought that, Sam. I just didn't want to <laughs> reduce the yeah. conversation down to that level yet again. But here we are. Um, Wixie, he suggested for the group, bottled up, left of Ooh. Arthur, which was a reference to Arthur Scargill. What the fuck? Fucking hell. Left of Arthur. Blimey. Left of Arthur. Um, conjugal rights. Aye, aye. Um, oh, you dirty bugger. And Lofty suggested they were called the Harry Reynolds Quartet. I don't know what that's named after or referenced to. but um, <clears throat> All quite yeah. 80s sort of names, aren't they? They had their debut in the Queen Vic and their enormous amplifier fused the electricity in the pub during a performance of Venus, which of course was a Bananarama hit around the time. Uh, Den yeah. threw them out, shaft- shouting after them, You're banned! After which they changed their name to The Band. Band. There you go. But his daughter was in the band. He he banned his own daughter. Yeah. Princess, as he called her. Yeah, well, he drew the line there, didn't he? Did you say say Sharon and Michelle were in it? No, Michelle wasn't in it. Michelle was too busy raising the baby, I think. Den's baby, of course. So Sharon was the only female member. Yeah. Um, Well, who's who's this Harry fella then? Oh, the manager was called Harry Reynolds. That's why they called it the Harry Reynolds Quartet. Maybe he's the guy <clears throat> I'm talking about, the one who was a bit shifty. Yeah, that's, I think it was because it says Simon and Harry constantly disagree with the direction the band is taking. Harry loses that's his it. argument to make the band a vehicle for communist propaganda. Oh, that's it. That's it. <clears throat> that's it. And blames Wixie for the band taking a more practical attitude. Because <laughs> Wixie was, like, was sort of like... You kind of, you know, you could see him being the next Martin Kemp. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or like a Duran Duran type well, he, guy. And those was... guys were all quite Thatcherite in their outlook, weren't they? Yeah, even though he was a populist, wasn't he? Wixie was a populist. Yeah. And fair enough. And Harry Reynolds uh, is a college friend of Kelvin. Um, and Harry has radical Marxist beliefs. Yeah. And he tried to recruit Kelvin oh, sounds... to the same way of thinking. Sounds about right, doesn't it? His college friend. Yeah, we all know. I would really, really like EastEnders to return to a, a, a more a, a communist recruitment storyline these days. Jalapeño. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Jalapeño. When EastEnders started, you know, you would get quite authentic social commentary, right? Yeah. Kitchen sink dramas, it owed a lot to those, right? The, yeah. the, the, the storyline you mentioned there, one of the most famous storylines, I mean, Michelle being impregnated by, by, the her, by her best friend's old age. man. Yeah. That's, that's gross, but it's sort of like shit happens. You know, it's like mm. a sort of like slightly Ken Loachian sort of thing. But um, what happened was they just became enthralled to these silly American soap operas that were fantastical and cartoonish. So I haven't watched these things in years, and so I might, be, I might be wrong about this, but that idea that in the 80s there'd be a sort of a middle-class student with radical Marxist politics sticking his oar in in a working-class environment and trying yeah. to manipulate someone like Wixie, who was unashamedly mm. more populist, despite being a member of the class that this Harry bloke claimed to care about, right? That's really great social realism, right? And it's, yeah. like, grounded in, in authentic things that are going on. Now... During the Corbyn era of Labour, that would have been a perfectly legitimate and authentic storyline to have something similar to that. But would the BBC have the bottle to make that kind of social commentary well, no. now? Of course not. They, instead, been... they want to make it like fucking the Kardashians or something, yeah, well, don't they? It would they? have been a major diversion from the ongoing gangster saga that it seems to be now. Where you've just oh, got yeah, all this gangster, gangster tension shit. between various camps, uh, which spills yeah. over into violence now and again. Culminating, of yeah. course, in Christmas Day when we tuned in briefly to see Ian Beale um, uh, fall foul of a murder attempt from Sharon who was going to fuck him to death like Grace Jones or something <laughs> like really? that. Something like really? that. Really, wow. I thought she, she poisoned his Christmas cake or something like that. But she was going to... they she was back gonna, together? I don't know. I haven't watched it since then. I just remember reading right. that she was going to try and kill Ian Beale. She was going to try and kill him with sex, which, you know, is... The Listen, if if we ever wanted an EastEnders up or soap update corner with my mum, she would be like so happy to do that. Just right. putting it out there. Okay. Yeah. Well, she watches we the lot. All of them every night. She even watches fucking <clears throat> Emmerdale. But it's it's kind of sad for me because Coronation Street seems to have gone down that road as well, where it's all about fucking yeah massive tension and yeah. Violence. When I was a kid, I watched them both. And Coronation Street was really funny. Yeah, I think it still is, but it's just not. It's it's fallen foul of that sort of EastEnders race for for drama over over comedy. You know, I mean, yeah, the Coronation Street. You used to get off an episode out of maybe someone trying to get planning permission to put a fucking extension on the back of their house or something like that. Yeah, or fucking Stan Ogden's lost his sock. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah. That's it. That's all it was. And him and Hilda are having like a funny argument about it. And that's just like, it's good for people's mental health because it shows like the, the gentle beauty of everyday life. Right. And it, and it teaches us all, reminds us all that life is life and it doesn't have to be full of all the, of outrageous circumstances, drama, glamour, madness, extremes. Mm -hmm. That is not what life is really about. Less is more. For anyone. Less is more. And now they see these things. Everyone sees these things on TV all around them. And everyone thinks that they're missing out on a life that is more extraordinary. Do you mm. know what I mean? Because they think, oh, look, even in EastEnders, it's all gangsters this and sex affairs that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But really, it's not. Not for anyone. And you're better off just fucking appreciating the the, the, the beautiful fucking comedy, the pathos that you could have seen in a row. Mm. Over a sock between Stan and Hilda. Well, people, people, I could be wrong. People seem to be addicted to drama now because you keep seeing people on Facebook complaining about drama, so much drama in their life. Do you know mm. what I mean? I'm trying to avoid all the drama, hun. Keeping out of it. I think, they, in a way, it's a, it's like one of those things they call a sort of a, a, a humble brag because it's like by indicating that your life is full of drama. You're indicating that your life is more interesting than the next right. person's. Do you know what I mean? Because drama yeah. is inherently interesting. It's entertaining and interesting, right? Um, and I think people go on about drama in their lives because they go, huh, yeah, guys, your lives might be pretty straightforward, but let me tell you, mine's anything but. It's full of high drama. It's Shakespearean. And you're like, I bet it isn't. It's just fucking <laughs> normal life like every other cunt's leading, mate. But then they they don't elaborate on it, and it leads to a lots of lots of replies like "You okay, hun? Oh, Inbox yeah. me, you know. Yeah. Here for Wine you. Wine soon. Wine. <laughs> I can, I I can I can feel the Chardonnay calling us. <laughs> we're just guessing here. I think we're just we're flailing. But mm. also, less is more. I said there before, and Corey and EastEnders mm. only used to be on twice a week originally. And now they're on, mm. like, what, five times a week or something? Well, it's like the football, isn't it, mate? Same thing. Yeah, too much of a good thing. We used to get the big match once a week. Or mm. my more sharply in my memory is the match with Ian St. John, where they dropped the big. They were, yeah. I mean, that sums <clears throat> it up. They were so aware of Less Is More. They said, someone at ITV Towers said, why we even called it the big match? Seems a bit over the top. Just call it what it is, the match. But was the not match even, not... Because was... some, some weeks it's big. Like some weeks it might be Liverpool versus Manchester United in a title decider. But let's be honest, a lot of weeks it's just Nottingham Forest versus Southampton. No, the, the match. It's the not match. big, but it is a match. No, they, they called the match because it was when they started doing live coverage. And they, they called it yeah. the match. And then what they do is they just stick the goals from the previous day at the end. Not even highlights, they just show you the goals from all the other games. Go. Yeah, I've been watching the big match revisited on ITV4, which I've mentioned before. And you get like about 25 minutes of highlights of the main game. And it's it's mm. fucking great to watch. It seems better yeah. than watching the 12 minutes you get a match of the day now. 25 minutes, the game opens yeah. up before you and you see it breathe. But you're not having to watch the whole yeah. fucking thing. I agree with that. I, I mean, I just stopped watching match of the day, mainly for like reasons to do with getting tired. But, <laughs> but it's all too late for me. The thing was... I realised what a scam it was because I'd go and watch West Ham at the stadium. Then mm. I'd, in the evening, watch Match of the Day. 
And as part of Match of the Day, you'd see their 12-minute rendition of the West Ham game. And I'd mm. realise how it was a, just a completely inaccurate reflection of the match. It lacked yeah. the, the, the nuance. It didn't really give you an impression of, of the ebb and flow of the game. Yeah. Because yeah. they just wanted to show remarkable moments. But, you know, most matches are to do with... There's a narrative that's a yeah. little bit more subtle than that. Once I could see that, I sort of thought, well, that means they're lying to me about all the other games that I haven't been to as well. And I will not pay my licence fee to be lied to. <laughs> by the mainstream media, by the MSM. By Gary Lineker, Jermaine <laughs> Genus or anyone else. But I don't match- pay my money for lies. Yeah, so no more match of the day for me, thank you very much. The the big match revisited has just finished the 74-75 season and it's been fucking great. It was Arsenal-Spurs on the last day of the season and this is April, mm. end of April, 75, and the fucking, there was about... 18% grass on the Arsenal pitch and it was just mm. a huge diamond of mud of dried yeah. mud it was great to see but, but they're, uh, they're fucking good at playing on it aren't they yeah yeah but next week from Saturday we're kicking off the 79-80 season which mm. is kind of when our so they've sp- skipped a few seasons yeah and this is when I first kind of remember watching football as a kid so I'm looking forward to that obviously if you listen to this non-IFS in nine months' time, I don't know what they're showing. I don't even know if the world still exists, but there you go. Should have subscribed they, to um, the I saw you put a uh, a screen grab of the big match, an episode yes. you were watching, I think, last night. And the thing that really caught me was, and a lot of people pointed out, was an ad on the hoardings, the advertising hoardings. And now the advertising hoardings are depressing because it's all Gazprom or fucking some sort of terrible yeah. gambling app, yeah. right? This one just said... <laughs> Be a postman. I think I've it was it that. In front of me. I've got it in front of me. It was a recruitment ad for the yeah, post office. What did it say? Be a postman. But it's red board, big white letters filling the board. Be a postman. Ring 253-1402. That's it. <laughs> That's it. And what I like about that is it reminded me recently on another episode, we were talking about how we missed ads for generic products or services. Yeah, yeah. So non-brand advertising, just like, Eat a fucking apple, for God's sake. Yeah, have a cream right. cake, you cunt. Yeah, get some carpet. <laughs> right. And they even re- extended that to fucking jobs. Do you know what I mean? You just imagine the marketing yeah. department at the then government state-owned post office. Yeah. Right, we need to do a c- recruitment tribe. We're running out of postmen because <laughs> a lot of them are dying off. <laughs> all right. So, because all Cause they Because they, the, they go to the pub at noon when they finished every fucking day. Yeah. They spend most of the day walking around in freezing cold temperatures and then they refuel on alcohol. <laughs> so they die. So we've got to do it. Right, what are we going to do? Uh, what should we write on this? I think we should advertise on football hoardings because a, a lot of our demographic will be at the football. They've got a football or matches. The, big match. the, the, the lower orders. they got a football, yeah. don't they? Uh, all right, how about this? Right. Be a postman. And then just put the phone number afterwards so they know what they have to do to be one. Yeah, sounds good. But the thing is, though, if you're at the match and you see that, how are you going to remember the number? Because nobody walked around with pens and fucking paper or anything like that, did they? Well, by the 80s, there were a lot of Labrooks concessions within, certainly within Upton Park. True. And you'd get one of your little plastic pens and use that, maybe. 
I don't know if they had them back then in 75, though, but 75 no. seems like the bleakest year of recent human history. Do you know it what I mean? 76. That's 76. what I was born into, mate. Yeah, my brother as well. 76 gave us the birth of punk rock and everything that came after that. 72 mm. to about 74 was glam rock, but then glam rock was kind of dying out. 75 feels like a cultural vacuum. Fuck all happened. Yeah, I think there was quite a lot of industrial action probably as well. So there was a lot of strife, industrial strife. I think the biggest group of this, of that era, 75, will have been the Bay City Rollers. And that's not acceptable, is it? Mm. As a cultural totem. Well, I suppose from my point of view and your brother's point of view, it was a case of, well, the only way is up. I mean, of course, well, yeah, yes, exactly. didn't release that for another, like, 15 years. But... Yeah. But... Um... One flew over the cuckoo's nest was seventy five. That's the only thing I can think about seventy five that was any good. I but, think um, was Jaws, or maybe Jaws was seventy seven. I don't know. Dunno, I think be, it was a good. Been. I mean, the seventies was a good era for movies generally. I think seventy five probably had quite a lot of good movies. It just but feels that's like Hollywood. A, I mean, Britain not so much good going on. Feels like a void. But um, I knows? think of it as just being rainy and everything being brown. Mm. If a year had a colour. 75 would be shit brown, well, wouldn't it's it? As brown, it's as brown as the Highbury pitch that I'm looking at on that picture. Now, yeah. you've got a little bit of grass on the wings and the rest of it's just brown. You've got Alfie Conn sitting on the ball for a laugh because the free kick's been given. And then just above his head, it says, be a postman, ring 2531402. Hello, I'm ringing mm. up about becoming a postman. Yeah, when can you start? Monday? Yeah, you, you've got it. Get yourself down to <laughs> the post office. Get you down to the sorting office. Don't forget what my brother told me about his postman exam when he became a postman in about, I guess, 1984, I reckon, he joined the post office, right? And he, I don't know whether this is true, please don't take offence if you're a postman listening, but he swore blind that in his exam that everyone had to sit, that one of them was, please point out what is wrong with this drawing. And it was a drawing of a push bike, but the front wheel was missing. (laughs) God. And I think you had to correct it. So he drew the wheel in and then he answered the other questions and then fucked off and they offered him the job on the spot. I'd like to think that was the only question in the test. And if you got that right, <laughs> yeah. you were in. Yeah. Fuck it hell. Right. Well, so that's um that's that one. We've we've covered the scene. By the way, I just want to say, because <laughs> I don't want to upset the postman community for yeah. various reasons. I'm not saying I'm not making fun and saying, "Oh, you got your tick if you're a postman." It, I, you know, I think you've actually got to be pretty smart for a lot of the jobs in the post office. But I'm, I'm saying that they were so they needed so many recruits in that mm. era that they had to sort of make the exams quite easy because the post office was super busy. It was a nationalised industry. Yeah. There wasn't any competition. There wasn't all your fancy American FedExes and all the rest of it. You know. This was the only the country fucking relied on it, and it needed lots of postmen all the time and postmistresses. Yeah. I think the ethos of the post office was they would take recruits as lumps of clay, and then mm. mould them in them. their image, and you know. Improve and also, them. it was like the armed services, wasn't it? I mean, mm. they'd take everyone in, but they'd quickly identify some as potential officers. Yeah, I wonder what the what the percentage death rate was higher in the armed forces or the post office back then. I don't know. Probably about the same. But I do think that the, you know, you got a lot of exercise in both, like outfits. 
Yeah. But the nutrition in the post office, from what I know of it, was pretty bad. I mean, most of them lived off vending machine stuff. Yeah. Whereas in the army, at least you got fed. Um, Yeah. And now we're podcasters. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't know what the death rate's like amongst podcasters. I think it's too soon to say because it's quite a new format. Um, Yeah. I think it'll so take actually, years it's quite dangerous because we don't know what we've got ourselves involved in. Yeah, we, this could be lethal. We've got no idea. Mm. Mm, we're pioneers, really, aren't we? But um, we don't care. We're putting ourselves out there uh, as guinea pigs, really, for future, yeah. so that future generations of podcasters might yeah. thrive. Yeah, it might turn out this is lethal, what we're doing, but we'll see. Um, so that's that. We've covered about, I reckon, about 45 seconds of Yesterday's Hero mm. in this yeah. episode, but... You know, that's fine. There's no rush. They've just arrived at the park with Kelvin from EastEnders. They're yeah. about to have a kickabout. That's yeah, it. Well, I mean, we'll cover the kickabout because nothing really happens in it. They have a kickabout. There you go. Mm. And then the but next I think scene... he has some interaction, some meaningful interaction with Kelvin because his relationship oh, yeah. with Kelvin yeah. is is very, very central to his right. character arc. Yeah. I think Kelvin says something like he, he doesn't like to join in or something. He, just, he, he doesn't like doing it because he's not very good at football. And... Mm. Um, Rod just says, go on, just get on with it. And just yeah. tells him to get on Great and just clear with the rest of the lads. And I think that's it, really. So there we are. It's another yeah, 10 no, seconds. It's basically, it shows that Rod, it's, 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 you know, from Jackie Collins' perspective, she's thinking there's not much to like about this bloke. He is an alcoholic womaniser. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's a bit of a reprobate. He's borrowing money left, right and centre from people. He is there's there's a lot to not like about him. So mm. how do we expect the audience to go with him through the film? We need to show something that deep inside there is a goodness in him. There is. So yeah, Jackie Collins has gone, yeah, 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 you're right. Then she's got the notes from the film producer. She's gone, you're right. Yeah. Okay. How about he, I don't know, takes a lot of kiddies from a boy's home for football practice up the park once a week. And they go, yeah, bang, done. <laughs> I need to dig out the script that I've got because I've got the script of this somewhere because we'd be able to read the, the notes that are in there to describe the scenes. Yeah. Missing a trick there, aren't we? But I have got notes that I've made myself and for the next scene that we'll cover next week, it just says flat and then it says Susan, who of course is played by the young Glynis Barber. <clears throat> it says Susan is wearing brown dungarees and a stripy jumper and has her hair tied up. She is listening to Hold the Line by Toto and is my perfect woman. So there we go. <laughs> Good. We'll get into that next time. <laughs> there we go. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and fare ye well. Goodbye, everyone. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.